Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California, and not so blazing hot. Finally, the fog has come in. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't even need the tent tonight. It was great. So, um, tonight in the garage, this is Liza running the board tonight. We have Douglas. I'm here. Over in the corner is Bagel. Ciao, ciao. Next to me is Lucas. It's time to kick ass in podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Back again is Jeff from Canada. Hello. Then we got Craig. Hey. Paul. Hello. Zach. I am present. And Jim. Hey. And Knock may be showing up. Who knows where he is? Knock, knock. Something about some thing he got to attend. I don't know where his priorities is. He had to go do his valves. <laughs> <laughs> That's always what it is. You had to go adjust the suspension. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's not his valves. It's the suspension. Yeah, right. The suspension valves. It's <laughs> like, like no, not tonight. I have to wash my hair. <laughs> I have to do my all valves. both of them. <laughs> all right, who did anything today? Uh, I split the case on my RM. You did, yeah. Yeah, Liza, uh, in her supreme generosity, <laughs> bought the garage a set of like ten flywheel pullers for for bikes so. nice. nice yeah there's been too many people are like do you have a flywheel puller yeah, for this exactly. so and just... that's if you don't that's pretty much a brick wall until you get one you can't really go forward with the disassembly until you get that flywheel off so yeah and they're like um, what 10 15 bucks each or you get uh, like 12 yeah, of them yeah. for 50 bucks but you only use it like once so. <laughs> yeah but you've been using it as an excuse it's, yeah, it's worth it even if you only use it once because yeah. having a shop guy do it would be way more than whatever right. money you spent on buying the freaking thing in the first place. Right. I figured it was worth it. We're, there's been enough people doing projects and needing one. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, it's good. I bought a couple other tools too. And then Lucas so generously yep. donated some tools, some of the things that have gone missing that he. Uh, I, I want everyone donated. to know I didn't donate them out of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea where the tools went, but they certainly didn't go in my pocket. But, you know, it kind of pains me to think that even though we're a free co-op, we suddenly have all our shit disappearing. So, Well, like I said, I've had more stuff added to the collection than have disappeared. Right. Yeah, but all the important cool. shit is what's disappeared. <laughs> yeah. All the metric wrenches are gone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I'm looking through this. I'm like, where's the 10 millimeter wrench? And we're like, I don't know. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So it needs more wrenches. Yeah. We, we always need more tools here. So thank you. That was very generous of you. Um, oh, I have finally a long-awaited answer, a resolve on the XL175. Oh, nice. I realized going back and listening to old podcasts, this has been from day one we've been talking about Mm -hmm. the 175 so uh (laughs) the electrical coming and going the spark coming and going the lights coming and going so frustrating finally said screw it took it to gym 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 cycles cycles. (laughs) 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 and uh said just tell me why there isn't a spark he ended up spending quite a few of hours going through eliminating different things um and he called me and said i uh I found it. He said, uh, (laughs) you've got a bad ignition. It's Hmm. grounding out at the ignition. On the switch itself. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So um, I said, that's great. Um, just walk away from it. I'll, I'll put it back together from there. He charged me a very fair price. He said, I, I chalk it up to a le- learning experience since he spent so many hours doing it, which I thought was very cool of him. Um, brought it home, went to look at the ignition, and uh, I was reminded of that day we went to Hollister and I forgot the key. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I cut the wiring, uh-huh. hot wired it for oh the day. God. And then when I got back, I used butt splice connectors and taped it all up really good mm-hmm. with some friction tape. <laughs> <laughs> so I pulled all that friction tape off because it looked good. I mean, it was all taped up all together. When I pulled it off, I found that the butt splice connectors had been pulling apart. Right. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. the ground wire had actually come loose and was touching some of the other wires. Mm-hmm. This explains Everything. the, yeah, the mysteries. So it's all Liza's fault after all. Yep. Yep. What isn't Liza's fault? So <laughs> I soldered it correctly, but we're still not done. I mean, the bike runs now, but not all the lights are working. I'm still not sure that the switch is right. Mm. But now you come up, you're come. you over that major hurdle, though. Over that major hurdle. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, what is it? Palm and face moment. F- uh, face palm. Face palm. Palm um, and face? Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> you're not, anyway, not eating a salad here. Liza's still saying epic fail, I bet. <laughs> fail epically. <laughs> <laughs> she just found out about duck roll like a week ago. <laughs> I don't even know what duck roll is. Duck I know, who? I'm pulling your leg. Okay, good. Uh, so, so Jake gave me hell for saying hella today, of which I said, I'm, uh, dude, I'm from Oakland. I can say it. You, you just need to Lucas say it, Jake. Lucas is a poser. <laughs> you should tell Jake what I tell Jake. You're, you are just being a hella hater right now. <laughs> yeah. You're hella hating on me. That's hella cool. And who else got... Where well, wasn't a lot getting done zach did anyone do anything else on bikes it was me fidgeting with bikes uh, I, I didn't do anything with bikes i tried to do some networking well lucas played the role of Susie sands a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did i was uh i found out firsthand how really effing difficult it is to sand which i was surprised considering how thin the paint is on jixers <laughs> you know it's actually kind of a pain in the ass right but uh, i also did some work on my jixer too the broken jixer parts fairy uh definitely left some stuff under my pillow <laughs> talk, so. uh, talk about the the deal that you got the deal that i got. oh yeah oh here's a good deal so if you guys are trying to get, you guys, as in you people who are listening to this, are trying to get bikes back on the road, or if you're just doing what I'm doing and trying to, you know, prettify your own bike just to kind of get the uh, resale value back up, go to eBay, because eBay has some seriously good deals. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's giving me hell for being behind the times. He just discovered eBay. I didn't just <laughs> discover eBay. I just discovered how awesome eBay is when you want to buy motorcycle parts. Hey, where have you been? Yeah, where yeah. have you been? Where do you think I've resurrected every single yeah, that I, I've, been I've, I've never had to do that I've been, I've been buying parts for all my bikes from eBay for a year now. I, yeah, I haven't been as squidly, you know, mm, until and, now. And now I need to, you know, start cutting costs. But uh, eBay's great. And, you know, here's a classic example why. Uh, I looked around on, like, Ron Ayers, you know, Bike Bandit, you know, Revzilla, whatever, Motorcycle Superstore, trying to find an OEM uh, clutch sensor switch for my bike, 
What's weird about Jixers is that if you jumper the clutch, it basically kills its ability to figure out what it should be idling at. So I had jumpered my clutch because the uh, switch that was OEM got a bunch of dirt and rocks shoved up in it when it crashed the bike, right? <laughs> so obviously it would stay stuck in and wouldn't work. And it's one of those bikes where you have to pull in the clutch even if it's in neutral to start it and like some bullshit safety feature or whatever. So when you jumper it and you pull in the clutch, you know, it's got like a 50% chance it'll just die. So that was a massive pain in the ass, right? So I was looking for buying a uh, another one of these switches it's just a simple switch that sits underneath a, a clutch perch and you know like ron ayers you know bike band and all the sites i mentioned before buying a new one was like 15 20 with like five dollars shipping you know and i'm on a budget here you know it's not like i can't afford it but i really don't want to spend more money than i have to especially when uh you know i still have a lot of work to do so I decided I'll go check out, you know, what they have on eBay. And, of course, some people were selling the OEM part for the same price. But there are plenty of guys who run cycle salvage businesses that just sell everything on eBay. So what I ended up doing was buying the whole clutch perch. And it came with the uh, switch that I needed. And it was $7 with free shipping. Ta-da, nice. buy more yeah. for less. Exactly. Yeah. So now I have a free clutch perch in case I need a bonus one, you know, or if mine breaks or whatever. Next, and time, I got next time you crash, you'll have it. Yeah. Or, or, you can, or you can just turn around and sell it on eBay for 7 bucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> free shipping. Yeah, sure. But, you know, I was just like, I bought so many parts on eBay, um, you know, that were just like secondhand for so cheap. And it yeah. blew my mind, you know, if uh, I'm you know, going to paint it anyway, so I don't care what it looks like as long as it's structurally superfluous. So, you know, I could get fairing parts that were like 250 bucks for like 50 bucks. You know, just right. they're just like spray painted black. You know, you just yeah, sand them, and it doesn't even that. matter. Yeah. yeah, some things you don't want to buy used. Yeah, most, some things you most don't want to buy used. You can buy secondhand, and it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you know what else you can find on eBay? All the scooter parts I have for sale. <laughs> <laughs> just look up Studio Tom. It depends on what you're looking for. You yes, know, it um, does depend. I needed yeah. one nut for a KLR650. It was $18. I wound Ooh. up for $3.62. It was the nut for the, uh, the linkage, the shock linkage. I wound up with the entire shock linkage and the swing arm axle for like $3.62. Yeah. Wow. You know, like, but for that, a KLR? Was, that was a KLR. Yeah. Right? But yeah. then I went to like sell a pair of Ducati flat slides, which cost $900 brand new for $500. They wouldn't sell. Mm. So yep. it's hit and miss, but great yeah. resource. Absolutely great resource. Yeah. Yep. So, Jeff from Canada. Mm, yes. You've been spending the week here and having <laughs> new experiences. You've had the yeah, California this is, experience. It's been great. Bro. Yeah, I love it. It's got Absolutely new tires. Love it. It's great. Yeah, I got some new tires the other day. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. you're new tires. You went to hide now. Yes, I did. I Excellent. It's cool. Nice, good set of new tires. Yeah. The hide now. Like Sweet. not any. And so far, now, I like really like them. Now, they're yeah. they're great. So I haven't taken them in the dirt yet, but I've been, you know, racing all through the twisties with them, and uh, they've been holding up real nice, and uh, haven't fallen with them yet. So you you went for yeah. a ride with Doug this week. <laughs> yeah. Where'd y'all go? And all over the place. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Very descriptive, Doug. <laughs> it was fun. No. Uh, <laughs> where the heck did we go? We met at my house. I live on up on Zayani, and we went up Zayani uh, to. Summit took Summit all the way down um, to uh, where Highland splits, and we tried to go on Summit, the dirt part of Summit, but mm -hmm. I, I made the wrong turn. We ended up on a dirt road, and I thought it was Summit, 
And it, it turned out it was <laughs> becoming really unfamiliar. But it was and nice. Then it was like yeah, seven was miles of dirt and you know houses and stuff. And then we hit the dead end and we had to go back and and it was turn a lot around. Of fun. Yeah. Um, so we back back the same way we came. And then uh, we actually took Highland after that. Um, and then into Nicene Marks to go do some more dirt. And then that dumped us out back onto Highland. And then we went back the other way on Highland and back into Santa Cruz. And then uh, down SoCal San Jose into uh, SoCal. That was a lot of fun. It was uh, hard nice. to keep up with Doug. He uh, f- At first I thought I was doing really good. You know, I was like right on his tail and all oh, this is great and I'm, I'm doing great. But then all of a sudden he just lets loose and <laughs> gone. And I thought, oh God, I can, you know, I can keep up. And I come around the corner. I think he's just ahead of me, but you know, he's, He's like two turns already past me, and way gone. Yeah, it's just nothing. I was like, wow. So the funny thing is, I thought you guys were going out. You talked about going to Hollister. Yeah. So when I asked him, "Hey, how was your ride this week?" and and uh, he's always oh, really good. I said, "What what bike did Doug take?" And he said, "Oh, the the red and black one." I, wait, his supermoto? Yeah, like with the new wheels and the street tires. Yeah, that's what yeah. he's riding. Uh. And I'm just like, really? I'm surprised yeah, you took that you bike. Thought we went you, to the, you thought we went I to thought Hollister. you were riding the yeah. dirt. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, no. he took off. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to taking that to Hollister. I, I kind of want to see I what you do on the trail. I was really impressed with you, dude, for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> just for a minute. But yeah, it was a great ride. That and, was great. Uh, it was yeah. a lot of fun. So thanks for fun. going. Well, thanks for taking me. Yeah. It was wonderful. And then uh, yesterday... Um, you met with me and yeah we went cruising around you had another ex- new experience california oh, style lane splitting that is um, ah, yes. completely illegal where i'm from <laughs> so to do that um you know I, even just doing it i felt just so dirty like felt so, <laughs> so wrong just doing that completely and it was uh, very scary uh, you know you got cars on each side of you only a few inches away mm-hmm. and you're just uh, cruising along and i'm tra- you know i'm just following you and uh yeah, it was uh, very scary. There was a few times that I thought there was mirrors coming at me and uh, mm-hmm. some people with some really nice cars and all of a sudden they're closing yep. the gap in on you and it's um, like, oh, yeah. and you just kind of give her and get out of that situation. <laughs> you know, and, you should try commuting on the 101. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I worked at my old job, I had to do that and I thought, man, like, man I'm lane splitting really fast and then some dude on a Ducati would be coming up behind me or like an old guy in a BMW and I move out of the way and he'd wave at me like, thanks, as he like starts lane splitting splitting at like 95 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) You you realize it's not legal. It's just not illegal. The way the law is written is it it doesn't prohibit two cars. No, it hasn't been amended yet. It uh, hasn't prohibit two vehicles from sharing the same lane. So technically a car can pass you. Right, right. (laughs) Exactly. So it's sort of this weird gray. So yeah. Okay. It's it's legal because it's not illegal. Exactly. Well, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, right. I can say. Specifically bad. They're working on making yeah. it and really I, legal. Yeah. I also discovered that my bike goes a lot faster than I I ever thought it did. Yeah, <laughs> we we take off and we hit the uh, the highway and we go and all of a sudden uh, Lisa's getting Liza, Liza sorry, Liza's getting now. smaller and smaller and smaller. smaller. Like, What's going on? Oh, she's really stepping on it. So I did what I could to keep up and uh, yeah, I had some uh, some pretty major speeds going on uh, faster than I've ever gone on the trip so far and uh, that was quite exciting. So thrilling. I'd like to, to paint the picture that his perspective is that was white knuckling it and flying. <laughs> yeah. Let me my, guess, you were just like my whatevs. perspective yeah. is uh, I got a you know a new guy with me. I'm just going to go with the flow like 74. Just 
going with the flow and when they get slower i'll i'll lane split maybe like 50 miles an hour faster right. than them you know i was yeah. taking it easy we finally get to monterey and he's like whoa <laughs> <laughs> i think you broke him <laughs> my speedometer was reading uh, a little bit faster than that but let's okay for the but legality of the podcast bike. we'll say it was but then i got on yeah. your bike and your speedometer's in kilometers yeah yeah, well, yeah. I wasn't reading right. 70 really kilometers fair. or 100 kilometers, but I, w- I was converting it to, to, to miles. Even after in the tent, I was kind of got out my little uh, my little trends ponder mm-hmm. thing there to figure out what the how it converts. And uh, I, I it heard was, that it was a little faster. I heard that it's like one half plus 20 is uh, how you convert kilometers to hours. No, no, no. It's divided kilometers to miles per hour. It's divided by five times eight. But that's math. That makes perfect sense that I can just do in my head, you know. Yes, we'll go with that. You use the same math for tipping also, just so you know. (laughs) Um, So you're going to take video so when you go back home, you can show people back home what real motorcycling is like? No. Video of going between the cars at a million miles an hour so you can show your friends. They're going to be like, damn, you cray. I told told him just pretend you're Luke Skywalker behind the controls of the X-Wing. Yeah, Put your hand out. Yeah. Yeah. That helped a lot. Lying down. That's what I meant. So we went down to Monterey and um, went and visited our friends at the Jameson Motorcycle Museum. Oh, that was great. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Hung out there and got to meet Neil this time, who actually owns most of the bikes. Where is that? Monterey? uh, Yes, it's actually in Pacific Grove, but Hmm. yeah. You run into Um, uh, Emma? Emma wasn't there, but um, but Neil was, and he had even more stories. So we're definitely getting them to come on to the podcast soon. Um, but yeah, just having fun, hanging out, and turns out that Jeff doesn't know anything about motorcycles. <laughs> That's true, yeah. But I was the first to admit that, yeah. There was no... Yeah, I definitely don't know anything about motorcycles. Even even though I think I know some stuff about dirt bikes, I, I, I really don't. I realize as we're showing him around, like, he doesn't know what a Vincent is, and he and I'm like, okay, okay. I realize, no, you you need to have like a community like this to teach you. And he hasn't. He's yep. been a solo writer his whole life. I'm not saying that he's stupid. I'm just saying. Oh, you're just saying I, he's ignorant. I know. I just realized he hasn't had that. So it's like, okay, back up. All right, let's tell you what Vincent. You know why they're significant or why this bike is significant or you know so um yeah that was cool and and just a nice ride and then we took the long way home went back down to carmel valley and over laurelis grade and all that kept getting behind cars the whole way yeah the whole way so oh my god jeff the the dr650 that's your first street bike right uh, yeah, I did have one before, but it was only for one season, and it was, uh, yeah. Mm. It was so, season? So for what's that? that? In Canada, we have seasons. <laughs> so for Winters that, and summers. <laughs> Be, what's, what's the major differences and similarities between that and Liza's verses that you rode for a little bit? Oh, yeah, that was, wow. Um, hers seems to be uh, smoother and softer, and uh, uh, it takes the corners way differently. A completely yeah. different bike. I got a, a mine, uh, I put it in the corner and I have to kind of keep it from falling right over and hers I kind of have to pull it down over pull yeah. it pull it to the side it's to got you know much shorter suspension travel you've also got a bunch of weight 
on your on the back of yours too that, that yeah. does affect the yeah my bike has a little more power than yours oh and that's true yeah it's yeah that's not even even though they're both 650s they don't compare at all whatsoever they're you, totally you different engines think. you know yeah, well, yours are, is a single yeah. and hers is a parallel twin you know yeah. so it makes sense that it would be smoother 21 it was a lot smoother yeah. a lot more powerful and she's got six gears while i got five is that right mm-hmm you got yes. six? Mm, yeah. I you think have, so. You have six. So her, her and, gears yeah. are closer together, So, and I find when I'm uh, switching gears, I'm, I'm revving high in one gear, and then I put it into the next gear, and it's just bogging out low. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the like sprocket that. you have on there. You have a full-on highway sprocket, right? Yeah. That's going to mm-hmm. do that. That yeah. does that too, eh? Yeah. Yeah, and your bike is bipolar. <laughs> yeah, you don't like it. You drove my bike. You know, I noticed when uh, we switched bikes and I was driving behind you uh, on my bike, mine sounds like a little lawnmower. <laughs> and and uh, Doug's bike, well, it sounds like great. I love driving behind Doug because it just sounds like a nice, powerful, yeah. powerful Your thing. bike, as I'm doing the throttle, it's just, I'm a slug, I'm a slug, I'm a slug. <laughs> I'm a beast, I'm a beast! <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what the heck? You need to hear what a real bike sounds like. It's just like it's like all or nothing right. with that bike, and when you hit that beast mode, it shakes violently, right. yeah. like it's about to come apart. Right, you can't you can't tame the beast, Liza. I I I, I felt like the six million dollar man. You can't tame the beast between your legs. I can't hold her. She's breaking up. She's breaking up. <laughs> yeah. you, I think you mean Star Trek. Six million dollar. No, six million dollar man. I, I've given her all she's got, Captain. <laughs> Listen to the intro, Six Million Dollar Man. Yep. I'm, 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 you know what? I, I should just it's shut up because I'm not old enough. Before you canceled before you were born. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Long before. Long before Some youngsters. of us graduated high school before you were born. So. <laughs> <laughs> but be. yeah, and then uh, today, Knock came by to take you up to the famous Alice's restaurant. Yeah, and Douglas nice. came along too. It was yeah, the three Doug, of us. Yeah. That yeah. was great. Yeah. yeah, we had food and... Yeah, the food a lot was of bikes. great. You know what we saw up there was a SRX six hundred. <gasps> what is that? Oh. Nice. Yeah, SRX. What is that? It's the it could be an Yamaha. up the butt bike. Hmm. It's the could be. you know the, the the red Honda that Liza just sold the SR five hundred. Yeah, it's the <clears throat> sexy version the of that. Bigger, better, yeah. meaner brother of rare, of but it's street legal. They've yeah. only imported it for two years, mm-hmm. and, so. and they got it registered and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, they, it, it's imported to be sold street legal in oh. in the U.S. for two years. Well, I mean, they're just they're, just, they're got there's no parts for them, and the tires are really funky size. <laughs> they're right. not so popular out here, but I well, saw I one in person, why. and it was fucking sexy. So <laughs> cool. You went to Alice's? Yeah. Just I know the guy that's claimed he screwed onto the wall of Alice's. The sign that says Norton Owners Club of Northern California. Oh yeah. Meets here. He put that there, but. 1970. Oh, really? Wow. Cool. <laughs> it Jeff looks Michael. like everything there has been there since about 1970. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But yeah, I was telling you, it's a, it's a great ride up in the hills. You got to really taste yeah. our roads. Yeah, it was great. There's some some really nice roads, a lot of twists. There was, and I couldn't keep up to these guys too. On the way there, I was doing fairly well. You know, I thought I was keeping up pretty good. But then on the way back, there was a couple twists that I kind of screwed up on. I didn't do very well, and that set me back so far that they were just gone again. <laughs> you're not exactly. You're not riding a sport bike, so don't beat yourself up too much. Yeah. Okay. 
You're they, riding a bike set up to basically go all over the country while yeah. you know we're a bunch of hooligans. Yeah. <laughs> some, yeah. of us, some of us have been riding those roads year after year. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. that too. Knowing the roads, yeah. Is a lot. But yeah, I told you we're very fortunate for the roads we have. Yeah, we're they're right. Got some really nice roads and, and really nice areas. To and Alice's is great too because you know you can find a bunch of dudes with like you know two hundred thousand dollar supercars and embarrass the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was lots of nice cars there too. There was cars and motorcycles and people on bicycles. There were, and pedestrians walking in the middle of every <laughs> obstacle you yeah. could think of. There's this yeah. guy in a Prius, go figure. Um, just like start going the wrong way on the on the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stop. he stopped right in front of us, facing the wrong way. And then, oh my God. wow, it was like where's your... something about a Prius is like an intelligence suppression. Field. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I wanted to get into our first topic today and explain why we have Craig and Paul here. So um, both of you worked for, Paul, how many years did you work for the DOT? Uh, uh, U.S. Department of Transportation, yeah, National Traffic Safety Administration, uh, 28 years. Actually. And Craig, how long were you there? I think I had 29 years. Cool. Lifers. Dang. Wow. Very cool. They had so, a good yeah. pension. So, yeah, Department of Transportation, <laughs> National, right there, yeah. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, from this point on, we'll call it NHTSA. Yeah, correct. So, um, so you worked for the evil giant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, reason, the reason the name's so long, nobody can get it right. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. I said, why don't they just call it TSA, Traffic Safety Administration? Like EPA, right? Right, right? right. Wouldn't that be easier? They already well, have a TSA. The answer was <laughs> that we have ship traffic. We have air traffic, like FAA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not the only kind of traffic that DOT deals with. Oh. Okay. Right. I mean, technically, so I work it's for the highway, DOT, and there's rail you know? traffic. Federal Railroad Administration. So you are the highway traffic people. Yeah, so that's why you have that long name. Mm, wow. So, Paul, we're here to talk about um, the motorcycle helmet law. You have some um, familiarity with it. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring it up, and I know, Douglas, mm-hmm. you're like, can we stop talking about this? <laughs> well, let's, let's just do it officially once and then let that be it. Um, uh, the reason let I wanted, it die. The reason I want to talk about it is a lot of the riders now don't even know what it's like to have the choice and don't even question should i I have the choice because what isn't in question here is should i wear a helmet or not in our community our riding community it's kind of unanimous and there's actually peer pressure to wear a helmet yeah Yeah. that's not what we're talking about we're not fighting for the people at sturgis to continue not wearing helmets and die Mm But some of us also started writing before the law came into effect. But some of us uh, wrote before the law. Some of us drove before the seatbelt law. Right. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's actually a way you could ride without it, which is if you had a ranch, you could ride around there all day yep. on your private land. Private sure. property. It only applies on the public highway. Yep. Right. Oh. That's true. Yep. So um, I wanted to kind of talk about the history of the helmet law, where it, come, where it came from, wh- why does the government make a law why do they care why, why can't we have our freedom and which we government? need to protect stupid people from themselves <laughs> it's california <laughs> it's all gary Busey's fault 
<laughs> I'm not kidding you. When it, when he fell yeah. off his Harley in Hollywood and cracked his head, the next year they passed a law. It got tons uh, of traction. Actually, he opposed, he opposed it on the law of And he opposed it, right. Yeah, yeah but then he fell off and got brain damage. <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, and yeah. look then look what he's like now. There you go. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought fault. that was just what happens when you do a lot of drugs. We'll never be able to ascertain the true nature of his brain damage. <laughs> 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 it's Hollywood, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> and and Craig, you didn't work on the helmet law, but you worked very much with the seatbelt law. Well, that too. But let me make a point here. The, there's no federal law that requires you to wear an, a helmet yep. or a seatbelt. Yep. They're all state right. laws. Mm-hmm. Yep. And some states don't have laws requiring you right. to do That's that. That's right. So right. it's up to the state yeah. to do that. Now, we give them extra money and grant money mm-hmm. yep. if they do have programs that... Right. They, they do have seatbelt laws or helmet yeah. laws. Yeah. yeah. And do you want to just hear why why that's so? So, yeah, why does the government care? Because in your constitution, when they created a federal government, it says the federal government does certain things, mm-hmm. like raise an army, defend the borders. And there's a whole lot of stuff in there about ports and harbors because they're obsessed with English tea and run customs. Who comes in and out of the country and customs and stuff? But motor vehicles, obviously, were not mentioned in the constitution because they didn't exist. The one mention of roads is Ben Franklin got in there. The federal government shall help develop a system of postal roads, which meant each state had muddy tracks. Well, at least they should meet up at the state border, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. into some sort of national system of roads. So that got them into the highway business. But otherwise, road transportation is not in the Constitution. Yep, ships, that's true. ships, yes. But not roads. Interesting. And, not and airplanes. The states, the not states, airplanes either. The states have the police power. Traditionally, yeah. not the federal government. Yeah. So, so it yeah, is a responsibility right, exactly. of the states. Not given to the federal government, it was reserved to the states. So yep. currently Anything. 19 states, it says here, 19 states and District of Columbia have helmet laws in effect. Wow. Right. Only 19? Yeah, only 19. Wow. 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 There were a lot of repeals in the 90s. Yeah. That's really weird because, you know, there's like, I can't think of a single state where you can drink when you're not 21, but they have helmet laws um, in only 19 states. Yeah. Oh, didn't oh, didn't they make that a national thing? It used to be. I remember, like yeah. Virginia, I think it was nineteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Drinking, it's, it's the not national a drinking law. age uh, was it's, since nineteen eighty six. Right, yeah. but it's still twenty one. Those are still individual state laws. Though. Yeah, but that's but yeah. but they they were their hand was essentially forced by the federal government by under the threat of of pulling away highway highway yeah exactly yeah transportation that's right yep that's been the history of uh you know how congress has tried to influence those state laws is either offer states more money their drunk driving incentive grants where if if you take drunk driver's licenses and some things like that you can get more money for drunk driving program and then there's other deals where they put in withhold highway money like on the drinking aid yeah if you don't have it well withhold federal money. Sounds like politics to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Man. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, I've heard that the insurance companies have a large role in this because they have to gain by people not dying. Though, mm-hmm. technically, isn't it more expensive if you live than if you die? It depends. Brain injuries are much more expensive than a funeral, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. is that true? Both your insurance companies and the government. Do the insurance companies have something to do with the laws being passed? Yeah. In California, they have a stranglehold on us, yeah. man. There's a thing called the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, IIHS. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when you see crash tests of cars on TV, they're probably the ones doing it, if you look closely. They've crash tested more cars than anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they get big money from the insurance companies to 
support anything that prevent death, injury, or even property damage on because they pay for it all. Right? Insurance companies pay for it, so they're reducing their losses, their payouts. But they're also coincidentally saving lives and preventing injuries. This is interesting. So this is straight off the IIHS website. It says, <clears throat> because serious head injury is a common among fatally injured motorcyclists, helmet use is important. Helmets are about 37% effective in preventing motorcycle deaths and about 67% effective in preventing brain injuries, yet only 19 states and D.C. mandate use by all riders. Yep. Yeah. That's interesting right. stuff. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah, I think you told me that all of Europe has helmet laws, right? Yeah, all of Europe said helmet laws and seatbelt laws long before us. Jeff, Canadian, how about driving them? Laws. I believe in Canada you have to wear a helmet everywhere. It's yeah. mandatory everywhere. Okay, everywhere. It's not yeah. different territories have different laws? No, I think it's federal for us. Okay. And part of the reason actually was that state-by-state state thing we've talked about. In England, when they passed the seatbelt laws, one law, 95% use seatbelt use in one week yep. in the United wow. Kingdom. One week. Deaths went down 30% in a month. Uh, in the United States, we have 50 states that have to debate it over 10 years. Uh, and lots of people who had these false beliefs that they'd actually be safer without wearing their, safe, their safety belts. And yeah, there was. You know, the cars were different. They used to have these suicide doors that flew open mm -hmm. in the 30s. So people all had these stories that my grandfather said if he hadn't been thrown clear <laughs> yep, into right. that snowbank, <clears throat> yep. if he'd stayed yeah. inside the car, he would have died the cop. He would have been impaled. So with everybody had a story column. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing wanna, that. You want to be thrown clear from the car. Yeah, yeah right. right. I, think, I think it's called ejected. Yeah, yeah. Ejected. Yeah, yeah, you want to be ejected straight into a tree branch. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Thrown clear into it. Real good for you. Real good for you. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, um, you also mentioned that I was asking you what else is the government involved in when it comes to motorcycles, and you said that was it NHTSA helped develop the MSF. Yeah. Well, it was created. NHTSA was the federal role in all this. Just came in in '68. Um, Ralph Nader wrote a book on safe at any speed about the Corvair. <laughs> yes, I they had, had all these hearings. They right. found out Congress said it was the height of the Vietnam War, by the way, 66. I was in high school. Uh, they said that's all everybody was talking about was the Vietnam War. But also they found, why well, God, 55,000 people a year died in car crashes. That's as many as the whole 10 years of the Vietnam that's War. That's it. My God, shouldn't we do the federal government do something about this? So they created this federal agency to set standards for cars like the Corvair, mm -hmm. recall the Corvair, and so on. There was nothing wrong with the Corvair. Well, it was just it was like very the, tricky to drive. It yeah, did the yeah, bossa there nova. Was, there it was, was like the Prius sticking pedal of the day. Yeah, there, was, there was nothing wrong with the Corvair, right. only with the people <laughs> yeah. driving them. Exactly. So that, just so like the Prius. Yeah. <laughs> so they created this federal thing in 68. So in the early 70s, yeah, they started looking to motorcycles, and the, they found out helmets were effective. And they developed with um, MSF. Motorcycle Safety Foundation is funded by the manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Honda puts a lot of money into it. And um, they developed a training course, so, you know, training courses to develop safe motorcyclists. Nice. Motorcycle rider courts, it's called. So you guys aren't entirely evil. Right, right. No, 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 it's not the evil empire. Yeah. Um, so you personally ride so yeah i had one I, before I, I had a car so yeah. that's the thing that's interesting here you're you're working to pass these safety laws but you were a rider when you were doing this yeah so let's get a l l little bit of your history what bikes have you owned 
Oh, I Honda 160 in high school. Was that a CB 160? Yes. Cool. That's which, a thing? Which we, yeah. yeah. Well, everybody else had Honda 50s or Honda 90s. You oh, know? you're like, I got a 160. Right? And then 160. Look out, here comes the Two big, big, big like bad chrome exhaust. Uh, almost like a Triumph. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know? Lays all over the you. The cool bikes then were Triumphs, not, not Harleys at all. Right. No, nobody bought Harleys. Yeah. <laughs> Marlon Brando's sitting on a Triumph <laughs> on a Harley. Yeah. Yeah. British bikes were cool then. And uh, so. Yeah, I had a Honda 160, and then when I was in the Navy in Japan, I got a, a DT250 Yamaha, oh, yeah. which was the first true dual off-road bike, yes. you know, that was mm-hmm. legal on the street. Uh, when, did, you know. when did you serve? Uh, 67 to 71. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was. Wow. You could you could avoid the dr- army draft if you joined the Navy. <laughs> the trick was you had to do four years instead of two. Uh, mm-hmm. That's right. And, but you got to spend them in Japan, you know. yeah, and Vietnam, Philippines mostly. Uh, see. Philippines. So, but uh, it was okay. And then Japan, a Sasebo, I got a, one of those for 500 bucks. A what? Uh, DT, a Yamaha. The DT, DT. Yamaha. okay. DT50. Brought it back, had that all through college. So then, my third bike was a 1990. I, 20 years, I didn't have one. In 1990, I got a, a Magna, 750 oh, Magna, okay. Honda, Sweet. which I loved. Yellow? No, <laughs> black. Black, okay. And, uh, you know, 750. God, those are fast. Uh, I v- find them kind of ugly, but good machine. V4 water cooled, oh. yeah. And I still I have a Honda ST 1100 now, the same V4 water cooled Honda engine, you know, so cool. state of the art, fluid cooled, I should say. So um, I wanted to um, talk for a second about your nemesis. Uh, during some of this time (laughs) here in Aptos which is right next to Santa Cruz there's a gentleman named Richard Quigley Mm -hmm. um, who fought the helmet law so let's hear a little bit of his story this is from an interview he did sure so I came to this motorcycle rally here in Hollister, California, and there's this kind of rebellious spirit in the air because this rally is unofficial and wasn't even supposed to happen. But as I look down the street, there's thousands of riders, and they're all wearing helmets. There's only one man who's not. I first heard about Richard Quigley through my dad. My dad told me that there's this wild Harley rider who lives out in Aptos, California, and that he refuses to wear a helmet even when he rides his motorcycle. In 1993, California passed a law that required all motorcycle riders to wear approved helmets. Quigley has been on an almost single-handed quest to overturn that law for the last 16 years. So how does, how does the helmet law impose on your freedom? What does it do to your freedom, to you? Well, if I were to abide by it. <laughs> Quigley believes that it's his right to decide whether or not to wear a helmet. For him, it was about personal freedom. Quigley's been detained three to four hundred times for riding without a helmet. He's only received 33 tickets, and he's never even paid a single one. He's only been arrested once. I've only been arrested once over the helmet issue. Okay. Um, <laughs> <That's a list. laughs> yeah. I've only been arrested once over the helmet issue. By the way, I know that my appearance belies the contention, but it's a fact the longest time I ever spent in jail all in one stretch was nine hours. Turns out that underneath that gruff exterior, there's a sharp legal mind at work. Essentially what I, what I learned was that uh, the government cannot make any objective standard for helmets without taking on liability, and since they're expressly forbidden from taking on any liability, they can never make an objective standard for helmets. There it is. Without an objective standard, it all becomes ad hoc and arbitrary. 
ad hoc and arbitrary is the foundation of, of vague law. Vague law is unconstitutional by so I signed on to that train and that's the one that I've been riding ever since. So I still get why not just wear a helmet? Man, I, aren't you glad I had this sensor machine that goes on in my head? Uh, the first thing that occurred to me to say is, why not just blow me? But <laughs> because I, you know, fundamentally the answer would be the same um, from from the onset. Uh, but I, why would I? Why, why? What reason would I? If I thought, if I thought that they would, that it would, it would protect me in any meaningful way then I would have made the decision to wear them a long time ago. So my fight with them now is not to free me, to free you. Not to free you to ride without a helmet, but to free you to make up your own goddamn mind about what you want to do. Because that's, that's what's right. So that's an interview from Richard Quigley. So I remember seeing him ride around Santa Cruz with his baseball hat. That's the, guy. That's the guy. I've seen him. That's the guy. No. The guy. Mm -hmm. Richard died in 2009. Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess I didn't see. You weren't born yet then. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't um, a Tixa rider yet. He, he did not die from a motorcycle crash. He, he actually died of cancer and was mm -hmm. fighting this fight and the lawsuits. Mm -hmm. On his deathbed, he was giving, um, they were recording him to play in court because he was dying. Um, wow. And again, I just want to reiterate, not contesting should we wear helmets or, or not. Mm -hmm. We should all wear helmets. We all agree on that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but we had this crazy old coot right here who, what he did was he actually went to court. He got all of his tickets taken away. What he did is he took a, a bunch of helmets, walked into the CHP, dropped them down on the counter and said, can you please show me which one of these are DOT approved and which ones aren't? Right. At the time, the CHP had no training. There were no standards set. Oh, wow. They were not able to identify other than a sticker on it, which the DOT does not actually certify helmets it's it's like uh you know the honor honor code or something like that right not to mention Actually, you can for, buy stickers yeah. online well, if i understood if you asked a motorcycle cop he'd tell you right away which was a real motorcycle helmet. however but you know some of the other CHP they admitted now, and he took this to court and he said how is it that you're able to enforce a law that you're not trained in mm -hmm. and that there is no standard set now paul yeah. you've shown me you've got a document there that actually says here's the tests that are done and and uh there's here's impact what and g-forces um, and all that yeah yeah so richard quigley was Five interesting tests. he actually took it all the way to the california supreme court and he won wow they ruled that mm -hmm the CHP had no right to give these tickets. Therefore, all of his tickets were voided. I what's, think I saw the video of that court case. What's interesting awesome. is that they gave him a pass, not everyone right. else. He proved it was unconstitutional because it was a vague law. That's right. He continued to ride. The CHP left him alone. But just him. Just him. Because he was the only one causing trouble. Because <laughs> he was the only one causing trouble. Everyone else is too ignorant. So even though it's unconstitutional, they still enforce an unconstitutional law on the rest of the public that Whoa. doesn't fight back. Essentially. Yep. Uh, yeah, and that's... Because um, California, bro. 
Bolt of California. Yep. They're the ones who are continuing the lawsuits. Yeah, what is the Stanford Brotherhood opposing legal totalitarianism? Is it? What it <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it means. Uh, sure. Well, that, don't worry about don't it. Know. Sounds, sounds right. Sounds uh, like the big one, know. you know, the big one is a bait. The national yeah. one is a brotherhood against. Uh, it was called against totalitarian enactments, but they changed it. It's a brotherhood aiming towards education. <laughs> because they say they support rider education and rider training do they edu- required rather than helmet laws that's their current position now do they educate mm-hmm. about how important it is to wear helmets and how they protect you y- yeah in a sense that in those mrc courses they make you wear them of course they don't want to be sued you get hurt without one um of course they make you wear them but um they don't support requiring it. Oh, they only require support requiring it under the age of 21. That's what it is. Right. Mm. Okay. That's what most of those states oh. have repealed their universal laws have. Right. They have laws under 21. So, like, when you become 21, your skull becomes made of adamantium? What they found is that the kids under 21 don't, it doesn't change their use at all because cops can't tell guy with sunglasses on, uh, you know, going down the yeah. road in a helmet. Does he look like he's under 21? Do you think he's 18? Nah, he's 18. Nah, yeah. I mean, they don't bother. You know, you either got a helmet on or you don't. Yeah. It's real easy to see a mile away if you don't. It's much easier to enforce than seatbelt laws or a lot of other laws. And so you just get universal compliance. Everybody knows that. You can see it a mile away. Yeah. So once you have a helmet law, everybody wears them. Yes. Once you repeal it, about half the people don't wear them. So, Paul, you have met Quigley, yes? Yes. And uh, yeah, in Nevada, Carson City. So tell us yeah. about this. What were you doing there? Oh, they invited me. It was state, um, what's the name of that? Uh, state... For the state medical agency, I can't remember the name. The people that pays for rehab for brain injuries and stuff. They invited me to come testify against, you know, in favor of the motorcycle helmet in Nevada, which is a universal helmet law, just like California's. And and uh, Quigley was there opposing it, you know. So how did you do against him? Well, they didn't repeal it, and I see they still have it, you know. So that's did, good. Did you think he was nuts, or did you think he had a valid point? Uh, he had. Well, you know, there were a lot. There are a lot of um, anti-government people in Nevada, anti-federal government, anti-big brother, anti-tax. Nevada is known for all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> you know, their legislature only meets every other year. Uh, a lot of things are legal. You know, in Nevada, mm-hmm. so they're not against big brother kind of law. They're not for they're not in favor of big brother kind of laws. But nevertheless, they decided to keep it because. The medical people and, and everybody in the state said it's saving us a lot of money, you know, and brain injuries and rehab costs and things, you know. So, but you got to admit he's got a point. Like with the current helmet law as enforced, how much protection does the legal minimum you can wear really provide you? I mean, when I put a helmet on, it's a full face with a full chin bar because the Hertz study mm-hmm. says this area of your face with your cheeks and your chin mm-hmm. that's a crumple zone right yeah and yeah. wearing anything less than a full face helmet with a chin bar is kind of pissing in the wind yeah. right? snail foundation so, said uh the oh, most boy. common impact area is yeah. the chin chin right yeah. so yeah. wearing, wearing I, I agree with you, know. you but the federal standard doesn't cover the chin it covers the head right the whole focus was on the brain because okay. you know 
that'll kill you. Not your jaw being ripped off, but you can have your jaw. The brain injury will kill you the quickest, and it will also incapacitate you for life at great expense. The quickest, turn to a vegetable. Um, Yeah, like that. So, given that the enforcement, you can wear these really minimal things. You wonder if this guy had a real point. Like, hey guys, you don't know what you're doing. You got a skull cap. You got a full face. You don't know what you don't don't push something on me where it's not effective really in the first place. So, you know, from that angle. I kind of tend to agree with them. Well, you know, I got the data here. What interesting experiment? There's three states that have almost all the motor, half the motorcycles in, in the United States. The three biggest states is California, Florida, and Texas. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They got yeah. riding year round, no yeah. season like yeah. Minnesota, large Canada. population. They got huge. Those are the three most populous states. They just drive motorcycles a lot. And you see, uh, Texas and Florida both repealed their laws. In '97, and the deaths went up about 50 percent. Yeah, you know, in the following three years. Yeah. I remember the same thing for like a was it North or South Carolina? Did the same thing. Deaths yeah. skyrocketed up as soon as yeah. they repealed it. We never repealed it. The deaths have gone up. When they've enacted it, it's gone down. Louisiana's went back and forth. It's actually been studied both ways in yep. Louisiana. Enacted, <laughs> deaths down. Repeal it, deaths up. It's like they've proved it about five times. So yeah. just curious. That's Louisiana for Paul, you. <laughs> before the helmet law, did you ride without a helmet ever? No, I actually had my own helmet law, which was called my mother. <laughs> <laughs> that's the toughest law. Yeah, law. yeah that's my a big one. My stepfather bought it. It was in the garage as my 16th birthday present. And my stepfather said, I made the down payment. You've got to pay 25 a month on it now from your paper out, you know. And my mother said, well, you can't ride it without a helmet. So there we are. Helmet, bike, and yeah. rules, you know. You know, a, a little side note. When I was much younger and I was just riding with a cheap little happy helmet is all I can afford, this is a good lesson for, for young people. If you want a nice helmet. Ask your parents for right. one for Christmas. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Parents <laughs> like them. Really like them. I, I didn't mention yep. yet, but Craig here is my father. <laughs> and he sent me a nice helmet, nicer than I could afford, years ago when I was back in Boston. Ah. Which was really nice because I was riding in Boston in a happy helmet <laughs> in the winter. Which <laughs> sucked. Oh, wow. And he sent me an RF200, which was, yeah. That's a, a showy, right? I remember yeah. all that, but I'm glad I did. Oh, yeah. Nice. So that's a tip. You said, you were, you said you were going to do it again in like 30 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's coming up. Next year, so. And I'll tell you, you know, from uh, the viewpoint of a guy, yeah, you know, yeah. my girlfriend, I bought yeah. her a helmet and took her to see a family gathering to mm-hmm. her family. And mm-hmm. I couldn't have scored more brownie points with her family than buying her a nice shoey that fit her just right. Mm-hmm. Nice. So wow. thank you so much for taking care of our daughter. Cool. Yeah. One of the saddest calls I had at NHTSA, actually, and I'd just been to a meeting with the CHP and some NHTSA people about this beanie helmet issue the, f- the fake helmets that were yeah. showing the novelty yeah. novelty helmets, helmets. Yeah. yeah and they recalled one it was Frenchies K&T or something and they asked the US attorney in Everett Washington to go out and look serve a subpoena on them or something and it was an empty you know warehouse you wow. know gone hmm. so wow. I mean, you try to enforce it and they disappear yeah. they show up at flea markets anybody can have plastic molding equipment. They were lined with Sears Best carpet padding. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's what it was. Not Sears Best though. Six ninety five a yard, not the two ninety five a yard. Right. Well, that's quality right there. That's quality. You, you want high quality carpeting instead of your fake helmet. <laughs> and this sold for nineteen ninety five. You know. Don't settle for less. Swap meets, whatever they call them, rallies, flea wow. markets. Liza. Wow. Guess what? Well, so. Actually, hold on. Uh, 
Go ahead, Bagel. Well, I, d- I just wanted to, to bring up a sort of a sidebar about helmet laws. Where where I where I first started riding, uh, I lived I lived in Delaware, and they they have since repealed their helmet law. But at the time when I started riding, their hum- they had the most ridiculous helmet law I'd ever heard of. Where it had you, to be pink. No, you had to have a helmet with you, but you did not have to wear it. So what you ended what? up having is you would have <laughs> these guys riding their sport bikes with their helmet on their elbow as they're going down. Yeah, the street. I can explain you, that to you. You mean they're riding their jigsaws with their helmets but, strapped well, to the side? Hold on. Well, the reason why they did that was they figured that it would be so inconvenient to take the helmet with you that they figured you'd probably wear it anyway. Uh, no, actually, Richard Quigley was one of the ones who pointed out that the. Helmet law was written under the provisions of a fix-it ticket, and that that was one of his his problems with the law. Uh, it was under the in, vehicle section of the vehicle in equipment California. section of the vehicle. Yes, equipment. so it was technically a fix-it ticket. So if you're carrying the helmet with you, well, no, no, then no, no. you can fix it immediately well, and put it on. That's, right. that's different. Though. This is, you're talking about California law versus Delaware yeah, law. Yeah, the, the law specifically in Delaware said that you had to have the helmet with you. It did not say in the law that you must be wearing it. Mm-hmm. So people... Mm-hmm. I like got a, a compromise. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a compromise. It was the only way they can get it passed. But it, it didn't last because so, it got repealed. Jigsaw riders are very persistent in not wearing helmets. <laughs> <laughs> I, brought, I got one quote. Do you want to hear yeah, one yeah, quote about it. this? Okay. If, as far as, as it is constitutional, well, yeah, it was decided... The first one that came up to federal court was Massachusetts, 1973, Simon versus Sargent. And I like this quote from the federal court. And they were trying to say motorcycle helmet laws were unconstitutional and uh, they said only the rider himself should decide why does government care and that court decision said from the moment of injury society picks a person up off the highway delivers him with unemployment compensation if after recovery he cannot replace his lost job and if the injury causes permanent disability may assume the responsibility for his and his family's continued subsistence we do not understand a state of mind that permits the motorcyclist to think that only he himself is concerned Yep. Okay. Yep. That's yeah, smart. because That's society good. pays all the costs that are involved with that. There are consequences. Whether it's food stamps for your kids when you don't come home or That's a good whatever. point. Or so, just the cleanup of the accident. In, in yeah. wrapping up this topic, I just wanted to just go around the room real quick and ask everyone if they agree with the helmet law. How about you, Doug? Um, I'm all for wearing helmets uh, about the law. Uh I don't know. I get both sides. It, what what Paul just read really uh, makes a lot of sense. You know? Yeah. And it's it's not just the person who goes down. It's not just their responsibility. Everybody's going to be paying for that if they if they don't get totally wiped out right there. They're going to be on assisted living the rest of their life mm-hmm. and their family, or, or um, you know have a uh, what do you call it? On the door. No. Yeah, <laughs> brain fart right now. Anyway, I have a disability. Yeah, disability. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I get both sides. I, I'm all for pro-choice and everything, um, but I think you have a responsibility to your society to keep yourself safe and and not be a, a sucker off the. <laughs> How, yeah. about, how about you, Bagel? Yeah, I, I agree with helmet laws because you are riding on public roads, and there are rules that you need to follow on the public roads, and this is one of them. If you're riding on your own property, you can do whatever the hell you want. You can ride into a ditch and give yourself brain injury, you know, and then have somebody come out and get you. That's up to you. But if you're on the public road using public services that are going to come scrape your ass up, you better be wearing a helmet. How about you, Lucas? 
I'm pretty much in the same vein as Bagel. You know, I'm totally, uh, I'm not really in favor of big government. Don't call me a libertarian, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really in favor of big government. But at some point, you know, it, you kind of have to consolidate everything. And, you know, just from a utilitarian point of view, you're placing a burden on a lot of people just by deciding to be reckless. And I don't think that, you know, that's ethically right. I think that as a person, you know, with a conscience, you should think maybe my decisions will have consequences that affect people more than myself, you know? So if you die in a motorcycle crash because you weren't wearing a helmet, you know, you're dead, but everyone else has to deal with that. You know, they have to deal with, uh, you know, getting your shit together because you couldn't. So I, I feel like even if it shouldn't be a law, it should be just an ethical thing. As a, as a human being, you should recognize that you're kind of hurting everyone else by deciding I'm more important. Wow, you got real worked up there. Well. <laughs> Jeff, Remember, I studied a lot of ethics in college. So. You, well, I was uh, before I heard what Paul just said. I was uh, of the thought that you know it should be the writer's choice. But after hearing the discussion today, I think I've changed my mind a little bit, and uh, I think it should be maybe enforced upon people because it affects more than just yourself as the writer. It affects yeah. everyone else around you and society in whole if they're paying the bill for for keeping you alive for the rest of your life Paul, or you, taking care of that you. That zinger at the end. You're yeah, getting them. How about you, Zach? Yep, that's a good one. Well, that's, um, that's the reason for traffic you know, safety. I, you know, I, it costs I, money. I pretty much agree with, you know, if it's making use of public, if public money is going into the cleanup and into the services and whatnot, then it makes sense that they should have some, you know, you should be able to say that you should be able to wear a helmet because that will reduce that cost. I mean, I think it's also a public good that... Mm -hmm. You know, if if it wasn't legislated, then people wouldn't wear it. But it's obviously better that people do. So I, I mean, I don't have too much of a problem with that. I when I was in Connecticut, I rode without helmet for ten miles or so, and uh, it wasn't very much fun. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. loud. It was loud, loud and windy. It was cold. loud, and I felt just, yeah. I just felt really your eyes water and your I felt bugs. I just felt really exposed. I felt like I, I don't was, like it. Felt like riding in shorts. You feel naked. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't like get, it without one. Really, I tried uh, those half-shell helmets, you know? And it just seems so noisy and oh, everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Y'all wusses. Totally. How about you, Jim? Um, I started riding without a helmet. Um, I rode a lot with and without mm -hmm. a helmet before the law went into effect. Um, I agree with helmet usage. I've been hit by a car and then had the bike land on me and smacked my head into the ground and got knocked out with no helmet on. Ooh. Crushed my leg, put me in the hospital for two months, got a bunch of metal. You got lucky, though. Uh, maybe, maybe not. You're lucky. You know, I've uh, also been taken out at the racetrack and hit the ground so hard with the chin bar of the helmet the chin bar was was flat yeah just imagine wow. if you, you know so helmet, well though. i was the racetrack it's different mm -hmm. yeah so it's yeah. situ for me it's yeah. situational now if i'm crossing yeah. the central valley and there's a straight line road in the middle of nevada nowhere in sight you know what i might appreciate being able to take my helmet off for a minute that's just how i feel about it i think that there are two things that I would note about the helmet law. Number one is we need to be careful about telling people what to do in our society. Okay, we need to say, like, yeah, helmets for the common good. Well, where are we going to stop? You know, I'm an electrician by trade. I stick my hands in live electrical panels. Are we going to start telling me? You know, I've got a bunch of rules to go to to comply with. I got OSHA standards. I got Arc Flash. I got all kinds of stuff. So, we need to be careful in our society how much we order people involved in any activity what's the common good and what's not the common good 
The second thing is I would kind of like to see the helmet law go to a vote on M1 license holders. Part of my problem when the helmet law passed is a bunch of people who said, we got to have helmet laws, and it's a good idea. And I asked them, do you ride a bike? Do you have an M1 license? And none of them said yes. They were all like, no. I'm like, then why are you telling other people in our society what to do? That's so California. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, let, you know, I just like to see the popular sort of, I mean, and I'm kind of a libertarian. So right? you believe in popular sovereignty? Um, You, you want to see whether or not the riding populace actually yeah. gives a shit about helmets. You'd have I, to organize an election where right. only well, the what, other licensed thing, motorcyclists could vote. The other thing is I really have no faith in the current helmet law because with the stupid beanie skull caps. <laughs> and, 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 and it's just like it's so useless. Yeah. Like if we're going to do it, let's do it. Do let's it, do it. Let's do, do it right. right. Yeah. Let's put it to a vote by the people Create who participate. Yeah. Yeah. No the, feds, so the feds are working on that, like molding in the DOT right. instead of just a sticker you can stick on. They're working on that. Cool. Um, my opinion is that I like riding sometimes without a helmet, going down on the coast, feeling the wind in your hair. Sure. Um, but I also feel like if there was a helmet law in, is it North Dakota where Sturgis is? Right. There maybe would have been less deaths. And if I have to give up my right to feel the wind in my hair so that other people live, I guess I could deal with that. And the numbers don't lie. The IIHS website I was just looking at said that per mile traveled, um, motorcyclist deaths are um, 26 times more than cars per mile traveled. And only 19 states have laws. So it's obvious that... You know, it's a good idea because more mm-hmm. bikes die. And it's per mile, keep in mind. So that's average between car drivers. You know, it's not, it's on a unitized basis. 26 times more likely to die. You know? Well, speaking of helmets and saving lives, I wanted to give an update on Craig Vetter, who mm. we mentioned last week had a pretty bad accident. He was hit by a deer and wow. got knocked off his, his scooter. Um, the final tally is he has, I believe, five broken ribs and a broken clavicle, Oof. and he had a concussion and I think maybe some fractures in his face because he's wearing a three-quarter. Well, he's going to be all right. Um, he, yeah, he came. They took him off sedation. They were keeping him just mobilized mm-hmm. so he could heal. They took him off sedation. He came to and. He was asking for a knife to cut the restraints he wanted out of there. He, yeah. he was He's a tough guy, man. He, he had a good day, and then he had uh, a bad day. Um, turns out he had a blood clot in his lungs, and they had to Ooh. put him back out again and do surgery on him. Oh, man. And do you know how old he is? Just, I think he's 72. Because I've been hearing Vetter stuff like oh, yeah. since the 60s, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a very cool guy. Um, and then he had another bad day. He actually had a buildup of fluid on his brain, and they had to put a drain in his head, shave man. his head. Is, is he okay with us talking about all this? Yeah, it's it's posted. He got hit hard. Um, Wow. And his wife said uh, they shaved his head, but he has a very good-looking head. (laughs) Um, He's got a sweet mohawk. Thanks to the helmet. And now he's he's uh, back out of the sedation, and he's doing better again. Cool. He's he's great. He's a he's a fighter. This guy. Oh yeah. I mean, I think when. The older you get, it harder it is to get through this stuff. But I have no doubt he's going to get through it. There's a lot of people talking about him and and wishing him his best, and we are too. Uh, so I just want to let people know he's he's going to do great. 
he's coming through it and so is cool. his his family they're coming through it and they have a lot of support of their family friends and church so um he's being taken care of awesome. um yep, i also awesome. wanted to lucas what are you pointing at Oh, my I wanna, list. I want to talk about what I wrote. I know, I know you do. <laughs> but just two but, minutes. Hold on. Hold on. Nothing takes two minutes with you. Oh, there's one thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, uh, for people saw, I posted on our Facebook page, but in the newspaper, our own Yuri Berrigan, who we had no here way. a few weeks ago, was featured. Uh, he's he's at Isle of Man right now Sweet. with his supermotos. Sweet. What's the uh, t- what's the uh, headline on that paper? Uh, Berrigan on highway to the danger zone. Danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> to the danger zone. <laughs> so that was, that was really cool. Go Yuri, go. We're rooting for you. We're going to get yeah. some updates. And That's a cool-looking bike. That is a sweet-looking bike. I want to ride that thing so it, it, bad. It's like a supermoto but it's also sportier. It's, it's you know? a supermoto. It's also a, it's a featured YZ2, uh, 450, in the 400. San Francisco Chronicle is our very own Paul, who's here right now. Did you know this? <laughs> Who moved up from to Jaguars? When when I, I asked him earlier what his up the butt bike was, and he said a Jaguar. A Jaguar. So <laughs> he is featured here with his Jaguar. He's found that they are much more comfortable now. Yeah, well, I had knee surgery in '01, and that ST was kind of hard on my knees. A big bike, mm. but ST thirteen hundred, eleven hundred. Ah, I see. And uh, uh, we, I did a lot of sport touring on it. You know, all mm. the way up to Oregon and. Stuff. But you know I, the the, cat, the, um, the Jaguar Cadillac. Jaguar is great for road trips. You know, gone to Vancouver in it and yeah. until your that. electricals, you know, burn the car down because it's British. So yeah. So also Ford fixed him. Ford yeah, fixed him. He has Ford a Ford. Fixed him. The Ford version. Oh, there you Ford go. Ford fixed him. There you go. No, Quality is so I'm also passing around a picture right now that maybe some of you have seen. It's it's usually up oh, here I in the garage. Lucas, you want to describe the picture? Yeah, um, it's a man and a woman and a child riding what looks like a moped. I would call it Asian style because they have the kid style sandwiched between both adults. And I'm assuming the kid is Liza, yes. based on the age of the photograph. Unless you're a time traveler. How old was I here? Like one, maybe. Two. You look about two or three years old. You're wearing a, a parka like Kenny. I was from as South big Park. as you when I was, I was three, say, like Lucas. Kenny. Yeah. Uh, so I'm assuming. I'm assuming the man is your dad, who is uh, presently with us right yes. here, and uh, the woman is your mom. Yes. Wow, your mom's pretty cute, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not bad. <laughs> so, Craig. Yes. You, for a short time, had a motorcycle. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, this is it. I think it's a Yamaha, and it might be a, a 50 or a 90 or whatever. Yeah, the ninety, I think. Yeah, what it, it, the thing? It had pedals, and it had it was like her girl's bike. You could step through. The frame. <laughs> yeah, the step through. Yeah, oh, the, yeah, yeah. And okay. my my brothers, uh, my my two uh, younger brothers bought it for me that Christmas. They found a used one. So this was bike. like maybe sixty eight. Uh, yeah, probably sixty seven. Sixty seven. That was like a year wow. or two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and. Uh, I never really used it for anything, but I did ride it once in a while. And one time, about a year later, I was riding around <laughs> the streets of Arlington, Virginia, and a cop tossed me. And in, in Virginia, you used to have to get your motor vehicle inspected, safety inspected, twice a year, every wow. six months. Oh, wow. man. They got rid of that? Now they've, they've actually got rid of that whole law. 
Wow. But anyway, I had an outdated safety inspection on this little Yamaha pedaled kind of thing. Breaking the law. Breaking and the law. I wasn't even on a major <laughs> highway. And it was a state trooper. And he took about an hour <laughs> to write this ticket out. I couldn't believe it. Wow. It was so onerous that I decided just to get rid of the bike. Because I never used it. But it, oh, they man. have to take it in every man. six months and oh. inspect it. That's so like, he re ruined it for you right there. Did. That's, you, <laughs> that's, a, that's you on the bike? Did. No, what, that's why you love bikes. Now so, it, yeah, it brings oh, wow. up the question. I mean, I'm like a year old in a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> right on the bike yeah is yeah. that why i love bikes now this could it be could your be. fault it could be i remember we also attached a yeah, sled to that <laughs> no helmets no. no safety and that gear. explains yeah. the chariot races <laughs> yeah. no safety very gear slow, whatsoever no slow. helmets what yeah. what are you wearing in this craig <laughs> i have no idea you're wearing an animal you. yeah that <laughs> is a um that is a lamb's. Uh, oh, the sheep. Sheep. Look at sheep, sheep thing. That is a sheepskin jacket. <laughs> sheepskin wow. jacket I got from one of my brothers. Now, the, I had for many years. In between you, is that a recommended safety? Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's Asian style. It's got, got Kevlar in the, in the padding, so. <laughs> Man, yeah. You might have been short on gear, but you sh weren't short on balls, I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went about five miles an hour. We're riding on the snow and ice there, too. Oh, oh my wow. God. You, you look like you're having a hell of a good time. In that picture, <laughs> this got before be your traffic safety day. Yeah, right? well, not not exactly. <laughs> before no, you started exactly. feeling a hypocrite. So yeah, both of you rode while working at NHTSA. It was well, you call that riding. I didn't reuse that very much. That's for sure. It was, it was for research purposes. <laughs> oh, I so wish you would have kept that. So wish. So I wanted to ask you real quick, since you. Did both of you, you worked for DOT, Paul, you were getting the statistics on the safety and the dangers of motorcycles. Uh -huh. And Craig, you had a daughter who was obsessed with motorcycles from a young age. Um, how was that for you? Was that hard for you, Craig? No, not, not really. Not really. No. Uh, you know, you were always quite independent. Oh, we're talking about Liza? What? Yes. Yes. <laughs> always quite independent. And uh, you didn't have a bike at that time. I know later you got a bike and hit it <laughs> from us. Yeah, that's Liza for and sure. I won't, even, I won't even talk about you running off with a family vehicles. <laughs> we suddenly get a ticket in the mail from uh, San Francisco State because for Liza because she was riding around and somebody was standing in the... No, I was on the... You this, were on the roof? Okay, this isn't motorcycle related, but yes. No, I was on the... I, I, cut school stole the car the family car <laughs> with a friend went to San Francisco which I'm also wasn't allowed to do and then I was on the roof of the car riding around San Francisco had a sunroof <laughs> and got pulled over and the cop asked me for my license I wasn't oh smart enough to say what I don't have a license gave my license and I got a ticket for being on the roof you were ghost riding the whip yeah, yeah. <laughs> we then, intercepted the mail when that ticket I, came home no 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 I intercepted it because oh. I was checking the mail every day. Oh, okay. oh, smart. oh wow! But if you were under eighteen, you had to go to family court oh, with your I parents. That's right. Oh. And I had to come clean. Yeah. The jig was up. I busted. That's why they have family court. <laughs> that wasn't the first time she took the car. She's a good driver. Um, but no, yeah, my first motorcycle I got when I was 17 and down the street. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how you would have felt about it. I mean, 
you did get me a mini bike when I was 14 after much pleading. <laughs> yeah, but that was in Utah. Yeah. Shoot your eye out, kid. And I will say that at the age of seven, he helped me build a little go-kart you push down the hill. But I was the only kid who had a Buckle Up I Do sticker on my go-kart. <laughs> <laughs> Safety first. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's when you're driving a bunch of plywood and, you know, cheap wheels, you want to buckle up. <laughs> but then All the more reason. The, yeah. the, the funny story was that, that motorcycle that I, I got, on the first day I got it, I crashed it on the freeway. Oh, Ooh. yes, and I, I got a call. Bam, bam, right. bam. You got a call from the hospital because when you're under 18, they can't treat oh. you without parental Dad's permission. permission. Wow. So I had them call my dad rather than my mom because yes. she could actually come down <laughs> to the hospital. Who's going to kill me less? He was at yeah. work yeah, in San Francisco. And do you remember what they said? I, I can't remember, but just that you were bloodied or you had a torn shirt or something. I... Well, oh, yeah, because I, I was just wearing a T-shirt yep. on the freeway. Um, <laughs> I got the nurse to say, your daughter has been in a bike accident. Can we treat her? Hmm. So you still didn't know that I had a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. To... And this was on the freeway. It was on the freeway. And then I went and picked the bike up. And took it home and hit it again down the street. <laughs> so wow. you guys know. I still didn't, didn't know. Didn't You're know. Right. Your childhood sounds a lot like mine. Yeah, crashed Just, a yeah. bike on the freeway and got away with it. Wow. <laughs> Relatively tell speaking. About it. I know, but I was always crashing my bicycle too, so it wasn't the oddest thing in the world. <laughs> Though, how do you lose all the skin on your arm? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, but so that hasn't been hard for you? No. Me riding? No. All right, fair enough. No, I, I, I think we, you know, we accepted that. That was your right, and um, you know, we just bore the consequences. I remember even when you would um, come to visit me in Atlanta. I'm an adult. I own a house at this point. <laughs> I had four motorcycles, and I somehow felt like. You would not approve of that, and I farmed them out to neighbors and just left one parked at the house because that seemed more acceptable. Right. Well, you also had a Corvair at that point. Too. <laughs> yeah. Corvair. Corvair. Basically, Corvair. As, as a daughter of the DOT, yeah. I completely yeah. failed you. <laughs> completely failed you. But now you can breathe free. So, Lucas, you have something you would like to bring up. Yeah, real quick. Um, (laughs) Short version is fuck all state. Uh, Long version is uh, they have this program, and I'm seeing it in Motorcyclist Magazine. They're advertising full page advertisements. You know, they say, uh, you know, motorcyclists die at intersections every day. You know, do your fellow riders a favor and go on our website and mark all the dangerous intersections where you live. Fuck that noise. Okay, you know what they're doing with that data? They're seeing who lives around that area who has a motorcycle, and they're raising their fucking rates. No way. Yeah, way. Why the hell else would they give a shit? You know this? This is conspiracy. (laughs) It is conspiracy Conspiracy. theory shit, yes. But Mm. you know what? If they're asking you to point out how dangerous whatever road you live on uh, is, just tell them to go fucking stuff it. Well, you you do have a point, Lucas, and that there is only one reason why any insurance company does anything, and that's because of money. They want to make money. Yeah. They don't give a shit. They want to find out, hey, this guy lives in an area where there are three dangerous intersections on his way to work. Let's raise his rates by 50%, you know, because we figured out it's more likely he'll be in an accident. Can can we find out where the uh, executives live for Allstate and start reporting their intersections (laughs) where they live? Can we go egg their houses? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, just report their intersections so their yeah. rates go through the roof. Yeah, y- y- and you know what? It's bullshit. The whole thing, the whole reason they're doing this is just so they can raise people's rates. So if wow. you see this, if you're thinking about doing this, don't even bother. They are just trying to fuck people who live near dangerous intersections as if they are, you know, already getting fucked enough by living danger- near dangerous intersections. So I miss Lucas's rants. <laughs> <laughs> you need to give me another episode where I get to let one of these, I, yes, one of these weeks we're going to do. I hate is, is uh, Geico, the guy with the money flying off on the Out motorcycles. The motion, yeah. Like, that's so dumb. I, <laughs> I like the gecko, though. <laughs> so don't they, trust insurance companies. They're out to screw you if they can. You know, Don't yeah. listen to them. Bagel, you had an update you wanted to share? Yes. Um, I had think I'd mentioned previously that I was traveling to uh, Bonneville this year to participate in the Bonneville Motorcycle Speed Trials uh, as a uh, pit crew member. Yeah. Well, that's not happening anymore because, yeah, because unfortunately the salt conditions are too poor to race on and the Bonneville Motorcycle Speed Trials along with Speed Week have been canceled at Bonneville this year. Well, that just means you get another year to fine tune it. It, Well, I I wasn't planning on racing this year, so I was was planning on on racing, running there next year, Uh, but at least it means that no one will break the record before I have a chance to break it. (laughs) Right. There you go. But I I also don't get the chance to experience the um, uh, the, the salt flats and what it's like out there, and learn the inner workings of you know, of the races and and how you know, how that all comes together. Um, so I will be at a slightly less advantage than you know than I would have otherwise, but. Um, I, I am very concerned, though, because this this has been a recurring problem with the Bonneville Salt Flats. Um, back in the day when they started racing there, the, the salt flats were several feet thick of salt on the surface, like three to four feet thick in most places. It's been eroding? It has been disappearing. Um, and there are a lot of theories as to why. Aliens. Um, I'm not saying aliens, but is aliens. The drought is drying up. The salt. <laughs> well, um, there, 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 are, there are a number of ideas, and the most plausible theory is that there are potash companies, there are potash mining companies that operate out there on the salt flats no to extract potash from the from the salt flats. Now they are supposed to be putting the salt back out there uh, after they mine the potash, but that doesn't seem to be happening. I, I don't know all the no details way. about how hey, this works, but conspiracy. but the salt basically is down to a mere two to three inches in most of the salt. Wow. So now. if everyone cool. goes out there takes a jar of Morton's, can't we fix it? Um, yeah. that, that's a nice <laughs> thought, but I don't think there's enough salt to do that. Mm. Um, you realize that one person goes through <clears throat> an entire can of Morton's in like five years. Right? Like, I think <laughs> right. we can do this. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right. I don't know. I, I don't know the, the numbers behind it, but I do know that there's an organization out there that is that is fighting uh, to try and preserve the salt flats. Uh, their website is savethesalt.org. Mm. Um, Save the salt. And I, I highly recommend anyone who has any interest in preserving the Bonneville uh, races and land speed mm. records to please support this organization. Uh, they are trying to uh, get the uh, Bureau of Land Management for Utah to restrict the activities of these mining companies. 
to to try and preserve the salt flats. So any support that you can give them would be greatly appreciated. Um, I certainly hope that I will have a chance to go out there and race next year. Um, time will tell. We'll see what happens. Well, what what would change from this year to next year regarding the conditions of? The- well, I mean the 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 salt flats go through a, a natural process every year of flooding and then drying out uh, because they get they get a lot of rain over the, the the winter months and it basically turns into a lake again and then in the spring and summer it dries back out and that's what forms the, the salt crust again but the problem is that when with the activity that these mining companies are doing it, it seems like that is taking away the salt that would flow back out there onto the flats and reform as salt crystals mm-hmm. but it wasn't just that they had some rain like uh, a week or two ago and they didn't think it had adequate time to well that's dry out that that's part of it too yeah. i mean there 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 are problems when the when the course is wet yeah. uh, where they can't race on because it it'll then. do too much damage to it mine's right. movie but, with anthony hopkins right yeah. yes last indian right? yep, yep. The world's good. fastest Indian, yep. But but the the, yeah, the specific reasons why they canceled the motorcycle speed trials this year was because of the thickness of the salt. It is very very thin and just not able to support uh, the kind of racing that that would need be needed. So so if anybody can uh, pony up and try to help out, savethesalt.org, I would greatly appreciate it. So that hopefully I will have a chance to race there one of these days. Well, Bagel, that money is going to be competing with what I'm about to say right now. All right, <laughs> coming up. In 32 days, on September 27th, people, it's the Distinguished Gentlemen's Rides. Yay. So this is actually a fundraiser for Prostate Cancer Foundation. Prostate Cancer Foundation fundraiser. around the world. (laughs) Different countries, different states and cities all do this. People basically organize a Distinguished Gentlemen's Ride, if you don't know what that is. Uh, anyone can you don't have to be a, a gentleman but you have to be distinguished i believe <laughs> and uh you go for a ride and raise money and it's a good time um but if you go to gentlemansride.com you can find the info and you can actually get a list of what cities are in uh, are involved in this and uh ken he's in phoenix he's going to be riding it there's a ton of people in Phoenix signed up. They've raised a lot of money already. So it's pretty cool. And there's going to be one in San Francisco, too. So if anyone wants to go for a ride with a bunch of people and raise some money, go to gentlemansride.com and uh, you could be one of the cool people. And what was the date again on that? September 27th. And that's a Sunday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So nice. that's a pretty cool thing, too. Nice day for a ride. Mm hmm. And uh, lastly, I just wanted to share one thing that was funny I didn't mention. Um, I'm going to pass this around. This is sad. Um, Well, it's not sad, sad. It's funny, sad. So uh, speaking of Craig Vetter and getting hit by the deer, (laughs) years ago, Craig Vetter invented something because he, he's an inventor yep. a friend of his actually hit a like a bobcat or something and, wow. and the- was in an accident so craig invented <laughs> a shield for your motorcycle to protect you from animals in the road doug you want to describe great. what you're looking at it's an older klr <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to call it the killer. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> with uh, this uh, giant saw blade looking thing extending down from the center, like following the forks 
Down, I've seen this. From the top of the windscreen down to the middle of the front tire. And it looks like if it ran into an yes. animal, it would just bifurcate it. Yes. Uh, the front fender is completely covered in metal. The front um, fairing is completely covered in metal. And it looks like Shield. there's not enough blood catch there. Yes. <laughs> two, two points to Doug for the proper uh, use of bifurcation. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, this is something he invented. That I don't know if it's a joke or if it's real or this is just a prototype. But he invented this years ago. It's, wow, uh, but now he's moved on to streamlining wow. and uh, efficiency. Maybe if well, he put a saw blade <laughs> back on the front. Anyway, Damn. you can uh, see this if you go to Craig Vetter's website. Well, it's under other designs. Yeah. Where's this place in Watsonville? Or uh, he's in Carmel Valley. It's good oh, for a he has a factory or something. So... On that note, I think we're ready to wrap it up. Thanks, everyone, for listening and for sending in emails and the voice messages. Uh, that's how I found out about the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride is uh, people checking in with us. And um, hey, thanks again for people who give us uh, the um, the feedback on iTunes and other forums. We really appreciate it. We do. Yes, thank you. We love it when you order pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and, and send us emails. Send us emails. Tell us what you think about the helmet laws. And Paul, Craig, thank you for coming out. Well, thank and you. Well, thanks Jeff, for thanks having for us. spending some time here. here with us. Thanks. You thanks got such me. a luxurious pad here. I just yeah, couldn't I stay away. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So on that note, I think we're ready to wrap it up. Do you want to, Zach, tell people how to reach us? You can find us online at MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. Find us on Facebook at Recycle Santa Cruz. Send us an email at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at... 831-291-5112. And um, I'll be here next week, and then after that I'm taking off to go over to uh, Pakistan, to go yep. right through Pakistan. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And then, Jim, mm-hmm. you're going to be coming right on I my heels to, right. to do that, too. Wow. And That's and right. i got to say that Moeen has wow. been sharing some amazing pictures yes. and videos yes. from his trips, so I am seriously, seriously jealous. Uh, a different agenda yes. on uh, Facebook, so you can check that out. And uh, maybe pictures of me up there in the next couple of weeks. I'm not yes. sure. Nice. We'll see, but I'll definitely have stories from that, too. Cool. So, on that note, wrapping up, this is Liza. Douglas. Pagel. Lucas. Lucas. He's out taking a Jeff. Craig. <laughs> Paul. I am Zach. Jim. And we're out. Cool, cool.